This morning we're going to turn in the Word of God to John chapter 15. And I would like to consider with you the verses that we are actually committing to memory for this month. Give us a framework for why we're memorizing those verses, what they mean, and how they might apply to us as we seek to go on with the Lord. John chapter 15 and we're going to read together the first 11 verses. And of course, our text will be verses 10 and 11. John chapter 15, let's all hear the word of our God. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now are ye clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. May God bless his word to our hearts for having read it before him today. Again, we're considering the first or the last two verses that we read as our text, considering the words, if ye keep my commandments as our title, hoping then to discuss those words and what they mean to us as the people of God. Before we go any further, though, let's just ask the Lord to help us and to meet with us and to speak to us from the word. Our Father and our God, now we would pray for Jesus' sake, that thou wouldst bless us by having the word applied to our hearts through the power of the Spirit of God. We pray that thou will open our hearts, that thou will direct our minds, that thou will preserve us from all the things that the devil would seek to do to cause us not to hear or to be distracted or to not understand. Lord, we pray that thou will help us. We pray truly that thou will speak to us. 
And to this end, I pray that you will help me as your servant, guide my thoughts and words. Lord, may only Christ Jesus and his voice be heard through the word today. And we pray it in his name and for his sake. Amen. The chapters of John 13 to 17 are the words spoken by our Lord to his disciples from the hour that he assembled the group in the upper room to the time that he went out to face his appointed hour. These chapters are characterized by two descriptive words. The first word is comfort. Comfort. In these chapters, we have words of comfort. The Lord's desire for all those that are His that they, is that they might not be troubled in their mind or in their heart, but rather that they would be believing. And with true faith comes all the wonderful comforts of knowing the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lord plainly states that our comfort does not come from that which is within us. Our comfort comes by what He has done for us before God. The second descriptive word that we would write over these chapters is the word blessing. Here in these chapters we have a priestly blessing that belongs to those that belong to Christ. The Lord blesses as he prays for us. He blesses as he speaks of the mind of the Father. He blesses as he reveals the true foundation of our joy. Now, it must be noted that the Lord speaks very directly as he comforts and blesses. He uses plainness of speech, we might say, and he offers terms that are very pointed. Such words and terms would include, I go to prepare a place for you. Or, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Sometimes, as in our text, the Lord uses a picture to display foundational truth. In chapter 15, the Lord speaks of a vine and its branches. He is the vine, and those that believe in him are the branches. He uses this picture to show the fact and the nature of our union with him. We cannot live without being one with him. But as chapter 15 continues... The Lord speaks of evidences and proofs of true union with Him. He points to His love of the Father and the love that He knows from the Father. Then He says that if any man truly loves Him and is united to Him, that man will show proof of His love. In fact, the point of our text is that the proof is not something that may be seen, 
but it will be seen. It is an absolute must. Well, we have to ask, well, how is the love of Christ proven? How is the love for Christ proven? Well, our text is as plain as it's possible to be. And I will say to you very plainly, there is no room here for an alternate interpretation. The truth is very plain. Our Our text states simply, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. He says these same words, though slightly different, in chapter 14, verse 15, where he says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. What is the point? It is this. Love for Christ shows itself in obedience. Love for Christ shows itself in obedience. That is what he's saying. That is what he wants you to hear. That's what he wanted his disciples to hear in that night before he was to go to the cross. This is not just a side message. This is not just a by the way. This is a very foundational, pointed, important, vital message to everyone that belongs to the Lord. If you really say that you love Christ, it will show itself. How will it show itself? He tells you, you'll keep my commandments. So I want us to consider that thought this morning. I want us to see it in five particular ways. Five applications. First, I want you to see with me that obedience is a cheap means of showing real love. Obedience is a cheap means of showing real love. I say that is the plain statement of our text. I'm going to ask a question. I want you to think. Can any man really say, really, honestly, truthfully say, that he loves the Lord Jesus if he is either unwilling or negligent of doing what the Word of God says? I know that's a very, that's a big question, that's a pointed question, but can you really say that a man loves Jesus Christ if he is not willing to or he is negligent of doing what the Word of God says? You know, apparently the Lord Jesus speaks of men that are in such a case. There's men all over the place. There may be those that we know. We may even have to examine our own hearts. The Lord Jesus says that there are men that are in such a case. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, the Lord asks the question. <laughs> the Pharisees come to him, and they say, Good Master. There's those that say, Lord, call him Lord. And the Lord Jesus asks asks the question of these men, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? What does that mean? If you call me Lord, you do what I say. If I am your Lord, for the fact that you don't do what I say is a great indicator, isn't it? 1 John 1, verse 6 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, 
We lie and do not the truth. What's that say? If you say you walk with Jesus Christ, that you're loving the Lord Jesus, and you're purposefully walking in darkness or have things to do with darkness, you're lying and not doing the truth. The Lord Jesus also says, maybe some of you have read this just recently, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 following, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I say this morning that there are many that speak of loving the Lord. But the Lord sees the heart and knows that they offer only words. Or as is said in Mark 7 and 36, the Lord recounts, from the book of Isaiah, he said, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The point to be understood is if a man loves another, if a man truly loves another, whether it's a spouse or a child or a dear friend, it will show itself. And it will show itself in an outward mindfulness. And I underscore that word. There is a mindfulness of walking in a way that honors that one that you love. Thought is constantly given to what pleases or uplifts that loved one. Self and self-will are put aside if you truly love. As I was thinking on this, it just popped in my mind. Maybe I've been thinking about this a lot lately, where the Lord Jesus came to the shore, and Peter and the others were in the boat, and the Lord calls to them, asking if they caught anything. They say no. Peter jumps into the water and swims to shore, and the Lord has a supper prepared. And after that is done, the Lord turns to Peter, and of course you know the, the dialogue there. And he says to Peter, do you love me? Now, here's the context. Do you love me? And Peter, looking within himself, and then looking into the face of Christ, of course, says, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And the Lord says to him, once feed my lambs, twice feed my sheep. You know, it could have been said a number way, another way of the Lord Jesus as he was speaking to Peter. I think you could probably even say it this way. Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, thou knowest what I that I love thee. Then do what I've called you to do. Do what I called you to do. Peter, if you love me, obey me. Do what I have put before you as the calling for your life. Now, Peter had failed in that regard. He loved himself more than Christ. Even though he said to the Lord that very same night that we're talking about when the Lord speaks these words of our text. He said, I'll never deny you. Of course, 
Peter being afraid, Peter loving self rather than Christ in that moment, denies the Lord. The Lord allows him, of course, to confess the three times for the three times that he denied. I, will want, I want you to notice this, though, that later, later in life, Peter, in the book of Acts, did obey the Lord by preaching to the angry faces of those that hated Christ and so hated him. That obedience to do as he was called cost him. Initially, it cost him by being beaten. He was jailed more than once. He was hunted. And eventually, Peter was martyred for the sake of Christ. Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, thou knowest. I will show it. And he did. And I think that Peter had adopted a motto, truth, by the time that he was standing before the angry mob in the book of Acts. A motto that a man who truly loves the Lord could truly confess. And I think it was a motto that came in response to, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And that motto is this, Acts 5, 9. We ought to obey God rather than men. I think Peter had that written on his heart. We ought to obey God rather than men, even though it may cost us. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, If we walk in the light, if we walk in the light, now think with me just a second, what does that mean? If we walk in the light, does that phrase mean that we have some mental epiphanies showing us great things? <laughs> we, we are enlightened. Is that what that means? No, not at all. That phrase simply means that we walk in obedience to what we are told. Here is the context, the picture for what I just said. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, or may I put it this way? If we walk in obedience with him as he walked in obedience with the Father. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. We have that loving relationship one with another. So I say to you this morning that the, an evidence, a chief evidence that we love Christ is our obedience. Obedience is a chief means of showing real love. Second, obedience is a chief means of showing real faith. Now, I will simply refer to one man and one incident to make my point. Abraham was called the friend of God. James chapter 2, verse 23, it says there, And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Well, let's just think about that for just a second. The friend of God. I would suggest to you that that term friend simply means one who earnestly loves. Abraham loved God. 
and he experienced God's love to him. He loved God. James says that this love of Abraham showed itself by believing God and obeying God without question. Now this was borne out, as you know, Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham and Isaac are on Mount Moriah. And Abraham demonstrates his faith in his God. He demonstrates his love for his God by obeying what God said to do. Though it seemed at the moment to be something that might even break his own heart. He obeyed God. Now we say that we believe on the Lord Jesus. Do we not? Is there anybody here that would say, I, I refuse to take that as a description of my own life? No, I don't think anybody would. We say that we believe on the Lord Jesus. But, if we are not going to live as he tells us, that is, we are bent on walking with the world, or being like the world, or going after the world, or, if we do not give care to all that the Word of God says, the Apostle John in 1 John, we read it just a moment ago, he says, we lie and do not the truth. If you say you believe on the Lord Jesus, and you're not willing to obey him, you don't believe on him, really, do you? You say, well, maybe maybe I'm not what I need to be. Well, maybe you need to get yourself before the Lord and find out what the state of things are. The Lord Jesus, again, in Matthew chapter 7, makes the point very plain. He says there, verse 16, Matthew 7, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. I will say it can be summed up with this one phrase. True faith brings true living. True faith brings true living. If there's not true living, maybe we need to do some examination. My third point. Obedience is a chief means of showing real Christ-likeness. Obedience is a chief means of showing real Christ-likeness. Men have their notions, uh, if you even want to call it that. Men have their notions about what they can do to be like Christ. Often that boils down to an estimation of themselves so that they are okay with themselves. And I would say that when men get into that habit, that will produce abundant self-introspection, which can oftentimes lead 
to wrong conclusion. Further, there's another prominent way of thinking that suggests that men are like Christ, and that is the giving of yourself to some humanitarian effort to help the broken, to help the needy, and so forth. Now, there is no doubt that that is true. Um, yes, that is Christ-like. But such help is part, not the sum. It is part of the revealed will of God and command of Christ. But my point that I'm trying to make is this, that Christ-likeness is not a self-judgment based on successful outward works or even spiritual exercises. You being like Christ is not something that primarily you see of yourself. It's something that others see. The Lord explains what being like Him is. And He offers the answer in our text. Do you want to be like Christ? He gives you the definition in our text. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. There it is. Do you really want to be like Christ? Then do as Christ has done. Do you want to be like Christ? Then have the heart of obedience that Christ had. Now that heart will show itself not only in what you do before God, but also what you do before men. There's the humanitarian part if you want to. As we obey the law of God, that we love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength, and then your neighbor as yourself, as you're fulfilling the commands of God, it'll show itself in these selfless things that get done. And so I say the Lord Jesus gives us a very plain truth. He kept the Father's commandments. He did the Father's will. He was always considering the Father's plan. He then says that he looks for those that are to abide in his love to do the same thing as he has been doing. We are to obey the Lord our God. You know, if you look at the lives of others, that point can be proven true as well. Being like Christ is that which is obedient. You see that in the life of Paul. I was thinking particularly the life of Philemon. When Philemon was told to do uh, something that perhaps was um, out of the ordinary by forgiving Onesimus. And Paul reminds him, oh, Philemon, you have received so much. Now you be like Christ. You love this man. Timothy. Paul admonishes Timothy over and over and over again. Obey. Do. Don't be afraid of men. Do what God says. And there will be the power of God. Remember, Timothy, God hath not given you the spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fourth, obedience is a chief means by which real joy comes. I'm going to be very short at this point. I just want you to understand that here, the blessing of the Lord Jesus is made very plain. There is joy... In abiding in the love of Christ. There is joy in doing what that love demands. And that is obedience to the Lord. And so I suggest to you this simple thought. That joy. Do you want joy in your life? Joy comes by knowing that the Lord is well pleased. 
not by when we have our heart desires fulfilled. The world will tell you otherwise. Your fallen heart will tell you otherwise. When you can get what you want, when you get all the things that your heart desires, then you'll have joy. No, you won't. You'll be even more miserable than you are today. Joy comes in knowing that the Lord is well pleased. Joy comes when you are enjoying the love of Christ. I'll give you an example of that. John the Baptist, a man perhaps, um, was in many ways more holy than any other man save Adam before the fall that walked on the earth. The Lord Jesus said, there's never been on this earth born among women a man like John the Baptist. John was a holy man. He was a man that did all that he knew to do as best his heart would allow him to fulfill the desire of God. And yet John makes the comment in John 3 and 29, it says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Joy, true joy in the life comes when our hearts are pleasing our God. Is that true for you? Do you have joy? Is there something perhaps, again, as I said earlier, that needs to be examined here? My last thought, and at this point I'm going to try to be as simple as I can, though I, I don't know if I'll succeed. But it's a very important thought. And that is obedience is a chief means by which Christ is experienced. Obedience is a chief means by which Christ is experienced. The plain truth then is that if we keep the commandments of the Lord, we will know the fellowship that's spoken of in 1 John 1. That is what our text says. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. In other words, you'll know me. I will manifest myself to you. He says that other places, doesn't he? I will come to you. I will manifest myself to you. Add to that the verses that we consider again in 1 John 1. And we see this truth is well established. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Obedience is a chief means by which Christ is experienced. Now, can you see an issue here? <laughs> can you see a, a problem with that statement? Well, the thought that I'm going to suggest to you that I say needs to be thought about here is this. The issue is that none of us are able to keep the commandments of the Lord fully or perfectly. We may have the desire to do the things that the Lord wants, but we are weak. Or as the Lord said to his own disciples, Matthew 26, verse 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
So what's the answer here? You say, you've been saying, we must obey, we must obey, we must obey, and all these things. Yes, wonderful, that's truth. My problem is, I am weak. I don't have in me what it takes to obey what I should, and in the way that I should. So what's the answer? Are we being told by the Lord, if you keep my commands, are we being told that walking with Christ is wholly dependent on my unbroken holiness. <laughs> You're being able to walk with Jesus means that you had better be perfect, pretty much. And the more perfect you are, again, that doesn't make any sense, by the way. The more perfect you are, if you're perfect, you're perfect. There can't be more perfect than you were before. But, that sometimes our minds don't go. If you're more perfect, the more perfect you are, the more fellowship you're going to have with Christ. Is that what it's saying? Well, let me say this. If that's what we're being told by the Lord Jesus, we are without a hope of knowing the love of the Lord and the joy of which he speaks. Because you are yet in your flesh. And you will sin, you will falter, you will fail. That is absolutely the truth. So what's the answer here? Where is the hope of walking with God? Well, I've got two thoughts. My first thought is based on Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For it says there, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so, by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. The man that loves the Lord will obey the Lord. But all men are sinners. And so, it comes down to this. The obedience that needs to be seen, first of all is the obedience that makes a man just with God. That obedience is Christ's obedience. The obedience by which our text says he abides in the Father's love. His obedience is our obedience. So it makes it true that we also are abiding in the Father's love. How is this? How is this? Oh, please stay with me for a second here. The fact that the Lord Jesus lived a perfectly, holy, obedient life in this world, and that His righteousness is able to be then, by the mercies and grace of God, imputed to us, making it ours, then we also are seen in the eyes of God as obedient as the Lord Jesus himself is. Because I am one with Christ, I am in that place where I can walk in the light with him. His obedience is mine. So that's the first part of what I'm trying to say. The, way, the reason why you can be obedient and know the experiencing of the person and fellowship with Christ is that He has been obedient for you and you have been made just by faith. But I can 
I can just hear someone saying, because my own heart says this. But I sin. I do not obey as I ought. And surely, the fact that even though I believe on the Lord Jesus, and I have been made righteous and justified before God, I continue to sin. Surely that matters in this. Well, I'm here to say it does. <laughs> it does. Very much so. And this is why I bring to you my second thought, and that is this. That the last part of John chapter, or excuse me, 1 John 1 and 7 and following gives the whole answer for the matter. What does the first part say? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. But what's What's this? Okay, that's the first part. That's point number one I just made. But what's point number two? And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Again, I say what the Lord Jesus did by obeying the Father perfectly secures our righteousness with God. It justifies us with God. We are seen as just and obedient before the eyes of the Father. But what Christ did on Calvary pays for the penalty of our sin and makes the way whereby believers may stay in the light of fellowship with Christ. He, He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life, He says. We come to the Father by Him. So, having said all that, let me summarize and conclude by offering this. The whole point of what these verses say boils down to this. If a man truly loves Christ, if you truly love Christ, you will have both desire to obey His will and the command of God, as God defines it, not as you define it. You will have a desire and you will also strive to obey, though you may falter. You have a heart that yearns and strives to obey God. Second, if a man does not obey and is unwilling to do as he is told of the Lord and the word of God, that is a sign of the absence of love. It shows love of self and sin. But then last, when a man fails and falters in obedience, he must rest on the righteousness of Christ that makes him just before God. And he must also rest, and I ask you, are you doing this? He must also rest on the blood that cleanses from all sin. And as you do that, as you are by faith resting on what Christ has done, you are indeed showing your love to Him, you get up and you go on with Christ. 
if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. A very simple, pointed message. It's not one that we can quibble about. It's not a message that we can redefine. It's not a message that we can say, well, we have further enlightenment as we continue to study and become more enlightened about the things that are doctrinally presented elsewhere in Scripture. We find that we have liberties that allow us just to set this aside and rest in our... Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Your house is built on sand if you go that direction. Build on the rock. The Lord says, it is our place to look in our hearts. Do you love the Lord Jesus? If you love the Lord Jesus, you'll do what he says and strive with all your heart to do what he says, you're going to fall. There's an answer for it. But there's the mark of a man who belongs to Christ. That is, I guess, a summary message, if you will, on the verses that we are memorizing this month. May the Lord allow us to hear his voice in this. Amen. And just as a by the way, let me challenge you to read this morning by morning entry that's in our bulletin it has a lot to do with what we're talking about here amen let's pray father in heaven now we would pray that you'll bless the word of god we pray that you'll use it we pray that thou wouldst allow the spirit of god to continue to preach to us we pray that you will bring us to the place where we are not just the hearers of the word but we're willing to hear and obey and to do to make sure that truly we are who we say we are and that we are in your sight who we need to be. Lord, help us this day. Guide us as we remain before thee in this your day, we pray for Jesus' sake and we pray through his name. Amen.